How important are the changes coming for early learning in Australia? Whether or not you're committed to ensuring that children get the opportunity to thrive, if you're interested in the gender gap between men and women being closed, if you're interested in the economy growing and and our country being prosperous, whichever one of those grabs you, early learning is the answer. This is a very rare silver bullet. Today on Fee Play Love, Georgie Dent from The Parenthood takes us through the wins. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. Ever since Feed Play Love began about seven years ago, we've been talking about the benefits of quality early learning for our children, not just for their development, but also for Australia's economic future. There's lots of research behind why it's so great to give this to our kids. Good, affordable early learning elevates our children and helps women re-enter the workforce. Now, finally, we can taste real change. Prior to the federal election, I spoke to Georgie Dent, Executive Director of The Parenthood, about her hope for the coming election. And she's here now to update and, I'm happy to say, celebrate where we're at now. Hi, Georgie. How are you? Hi, Chev. I'm so well and really excited to be here. Now, I have to admit, I loved following you on Instagram in the pre, during and post-election phase because it was really the first time I feel that I've seen actual change take place during a federal election (laughs) on the level that we were always hoping for with early learning. Let's start with that. The fact that Prime Minister Anthony Albanese spoke about universal access in his acceptance speech, how significant is that? This is the first time in Australia's history that we have had a Prime Minister who wants to make universal access to quality early childhood education and care a signature legacy. And, you know, as far as commitment to bold reforms go, this is as good as it gets. It's as big as it gets. And it's been a long time coming. I was incredibly emotional watching the victory speech and quite literally burst into tears when he said those words about wanting to make universal early learning um, part of the great Australian story. Because I, like so many other people, have been waiting and waiting and begging for so long for this issue to be grasped and sort of embraced. And, And that is what we have now got in a Prime Minister and we've never had that before. And I think one of the things I always struggled with, with this conversation about early learning was the amount of research that proves investment in early learning gives long-term benefits to the economy overall in terms of cost-benefit ratio. Is this something that you think the uh, Prime Minister understood from those conversations with you? Or is he really listening to the parents saying, you know, it's just so hard to pay these astronomical fees all the time? Look, I think it's a combination of factors. And one of the, I mean, one of the parts that has made my job over the last two years while I've been the executive director of the parenthood, one of the things that's made my job really easy is that there are a number of very compelling standalone reasons to invest in early learning. Now, whether or not you're committed to 
ensuring that children get the opportunity to thrive, if you're interested in the gender gap between men and women being closed, if you're interested in the economy growing and and our country being prosperous, whichever one of those grabs you, early learning is the answer. So, you know, there are some policy reforms where it might just purely be an economic proposition. And the thing about early learning reform is, and this is one of the things that I've said ad nauseum and lots of other people have said as well is, this is a very rare silver bullet because we can, with this investment, we can quite literally change the lives of children for the better. And not just in a sort of at one point in time, we know that we can change the lives of children over the course of their lives if we get the early years right. We know that this is one of the key policy changes that's needed to ensure that mums and dads have got an opportunity to share the care and share the paid work, which we know is fundamental to women being able to develop and maintain financial security. And we know that by investing in quality early learning that enables parents to go to work, that also enables children to thrive, then the economy benefits. I mean, it is quite ridiculous when you think about, you know, the the conservative estimate is that for every dollar we spend on early learning, we get $2 in economic return. But when you're talking about children with any form of disadvantage, you know, it's upwards of $7 we get for every dollar we spend because the early years are so formative. If you've got children in a trusted, safe environment where they're being nurtured and their education and development is being supported, then you've got an opportunity for early intervention. And all of those opportunities for early intervention give each child a better chance of arriving at school and being ready and able to learn. At the moment, one in five children in Australia arrive at school developmentally vulnerable. In regional and rural areas, it's two in five. And among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children, it's, you know, 50% of children arrive at school developmentally vulnerable. And when those children arrive behind, the evidence is very clear that it's almost impossible for those kids to catch up. Have we got any hard facts about what this promise means in terms of investment dollars, like practical investments? Because it's so exciting to hear what he's saying, and I highly doubt you can say it in an acceptance speech and not follow through. But have we got any of those um, hard facts yet in terms of what this will look like? So Labor went to the federal election with a commitment to make to make a sort of $5.4 billion investment um, in its first term to make early childhood education and care significantly more affordable for families. Now, that is in itself very significant. Um, that's a huge amount of money and the, the changes that they've proposed will make a significant difference for the vast majority of families who use early learning. But that commitment, that does not represent universal access. And what the Prime Minister has made clear is that the bigger piece of reform about making sure we've got a system that is universally accessible is going to be a longer-term Um, objective. And on the one hand, while I wish that we could make it happen tomorrow, the reality is we don't have the infrastructure or the workforce at this moment where we could turn that on tomorrow, even if we wanted to. So it is unfortunately realistic to say that 
the wholesale reform to make early learning universally accessible is going to take longer. The federal Labor government have said that they are going to um, have the Productivity Commission review this area and see what can be done to develop um, a universally accessible system. So, yes, there is some hard money on the table, but no, we do not have the perfect roadmap yet for exactly where we're going. Speaking of universal access, in the year prior to school, we do, of course, have the New South Wales and Victorian government joint agreement to invest in one year of free early learning prior to school. I know that there are sort of long timeframes with those commitments as well, but how does that work with the government's promise? Well, I think what is incredibly heartening and that is actually quite mind-blowing to think that we now, we not only have got a Prime Minister who wants to make this a signature legacy, but we've also now got bipartisan support from the two biggest states in the country in population size and and they're, they're actually working towards the same goal. Now, one of the reasons that early learning reform is big and complex is because it is split between um, the federal government and the state governments. So there is, you know, as we know, states deliver education. And so in the states, they are responsible in some ways for preschool. And of course, there are standalone preschools that are community run, but then there are also preschool programs run through late long daycares. And the federal government pays for the childcare subsidy. So, There is a sort of complicating factor about what the federal government does and what the states do. But when you step back and think about what is possible when we have got this bipartisan support for making quality play-based learning a component of the education system, that is transformative. Um, That is ultimately what advocates like myself but also advocates in the sector for decades have been asking it's to recognise that the early years between zero and five is a critical time in the development and education of children. We have in Australia sort of had this idea that formal education begins when a child turns five or, or when they turn six, when they start primary school. And what we've been arguing for a long time and lots of people have is actually we need to start earlier than that because, as I said before, if you get the early years right, then you've got a better chance of all children arriving at school ready to learn. And what the commitment from New South Wales and Victoria and the federal government all recognises is that fundamental difference, that we have to recognise that public education does not begin after the age of five. It begins earlier than that and we need to develop a system that actually ensures we're giving all children the opportunity to arrive at school and be ready to learn. And we should probably um, preface that by saying when we're talking about education, this is the play-based social engagement, all of those really fun things. We're not talking about teaching kids their necessarily their alphabet or numbers, are we? Like this is a kind of fundamental um, well-being development almost for children, would you say? Yes, it absolutely is. And I mean, that's what you, the, the announcements in Victoria and New South Wales, it's not about getting kids sitting at a desk, you know, sitting in a classroom at a desk like we imagine, um, like we sort of accept and know happens when children start at primary school. We are talking about quality play-based learning programs where it is so much more than sort of academic education. It's actually about socialisation. It's about having their brain developed in a way that 
is consistent with their age and their stage. Um, and that is very different to sort of sitting children down and teaching them to read and write, which we know is better later. Earlier, you mentioned that we do have the issue of a shortage of educators. So for a long time, we've been hearing about this um, deluge of really qualified teachers leaving the early learning sector because the pay and conditions are so bad. And that obviously is not a quick fix to bring about. So is part of the whole investment in early learning and the time it's going to take about putting value back for those teachers, both in what they get paid now, but also in their training and all of those sorts of things? Yes. So the early childhood education and care workforce in Australia is at a point of crisis right now. And that is across the board. It's happening in capital cities. It's happening in regional areas. It's happening in remote towns. Staff vacancies in early learning across the country are double what they were pre-pandemic. So we know that right now we do not have enough early educators to deliver the early learning that we need. And that's before you look at adding an additional year of full-time play-based learning for four-year-olds. So the workforce obstacle and opportunity is absolutely fundamental to to either New South Wales or Victoria or the federal government being able to deliver on any of the promises um, and policies that they've outlaid. We know that one of the key reasons early childhood educators are leaving is because they are paid very poorly. We know that they feel very undervalued and underappreciated. We know that the employment conditions are too often insecure. Part of the announcements from New South Wales and Victoria, as I said earlier, it is a fundamental shift. It is recognising that what happens before children turn five is not trivial, it's not child-minding, it's not just wiping noses. It is a critical component of education and development. Now, the reason I want to spell that out is because we then need to extend that paradigm shift to the workforce. Because at the moment, even if you are, you've got a teaching degree, if you work in a preschool, you'll be paid significantly less than you would get if you worked in a primary school, even though you've got the same qualifications and you are doing work that is, in real terms, just as valuable. So early childhood teachers are certainly the best paid in the early education space, but early educators, um, so who have got other qualifications but not a teaching degree, are paid so poorly and they are leaving because of that, because it's really difficult to look at that area right now and think that you could have a financially viable career. And we need to change that because delivering quality early childhood education care starts and ends with having quality early childhood educators. We cannot have one without the other. And I think that the the wholesale commitments that we've got now at a federal level and at a state level, because while New South Wales and Victoria have certainly gone the furthest and the sort of bipartisan nature of their joint announcement is certainly very significant, we actually have already seen from Queensland, from South Australia, from Western Australia, genuine commitments around early, early learning. Um, so it's not that New South Wales and Victoria are alone in recognising that we need to invest in the early years. We actually do have almost national support now for getting these policy settings right. And 
that is a good thing because it is only going to be with that sort of national shared ambition that we will be able to make the wholesale changes necessary so that we can deliver quality early learning to all children in the country before they get to school. And that means we do have to look at how we pay, how we attract, how we retain, how we develop early educators. Because imagine if every person who was sort of contemplating a career in teaching or education, imagine if the early years were as exciting or as viable to think about from a financial perspective as primary school or secondary school. You know, we don't need this false distinction that, you know, it's not school before five. It absolutely is. And we need to, I think, look at what we can do to ensure we attract educators to that space and and not be sort of held back because they think, well, no one's going to value the work that I do. I won't be considered a real teacher. I won't be paid well. I won't have job security. That is where we need to have a paradigm shift. And I do think that it's completely achievable. Got to say, there is a lot to be hopeful about now, and in particular, those early learning educators that were a part of my kids' lives were absolutely unbelievable. So, if we can get more like them, we're going to be in a great place. Georgie, thank you for all your hard work on this issue. I know there have been others as well, but thank you so much for facilitating that conversation with the Prime Minister, Um, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Chev. And um, it actually is such an honour to be in the position that I'm in at the moment because I am so filled with hope. That's Georgie Dent. She's the Executive Director of The Parenthood. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.